You are listening to a Geek Network interview. Be sure to hit the follow button to get notified when a new episode is available. You can also visit us at geek-network.com for your guide to the geek entertainment news you love. Created for geeks, by geeks, and remember to always geek responsibly. Hello, this is Daniel, and uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, So good afternoon, good evening, and uh, wherever you're listening, thank you so much. Uh, Today I have uh, Carissa Grant of Worthy Chaos Comics. Hi, how are you doing today? Good, I'm good, how are you? (laughs) Not too bad. Uh, I did tweet at you earlier, uh, well, Worthy Chaos Comics, just, uh, you know, how fitting that uh, we're talking on Zombie Jesus Day about something biblical and everything <laughs> happening. So I love that. <laughs> I love that Zombie Jesus Day. <laughs> and uh, with our listeners that are not too familiar with your work, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah. So um, I wrote this uh, story. I was a role player and I had this story in mind for about 15 years. And I finally found somebody to take the role for me. And I met Jessica and uh, we started role-playing the story together. And we, in two years, wrote about 11 novels, (laughs) Um, (laughs) full-length novels. And um, we're both incredibly obsessed with the story and we love the characters. And we just thought it was just too good to waste. So I decided to turn it into a comic book series. Um, and five of those novels are this series one, Redemption. Um, a, another five is a spinoff that hopefully we can release eventually. So mm-hmm. this story is uh, going to be about 35 issues. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's already, <laughs> series one's already written. So, um, but I'm still converting them to scripts. So, so far I converted books one through three um one and two or seven issues each and i started converting book three and it's the longest because we're the most obsessed with it it was uh it's zombie based it's pretty much resident evil 2 um <laughs> and uh it's 10 issues so <laughs> and um that's it it's our favorite you're like they're like trapped in an infested zombie city and uh the experiments are made from their blood uh because uh, she's an angel descendant he's a demon descendant um so it's obviously a little bit more twisted um but anyway for for this campaign it's going to be issues one through four um one through three was released in our last campaign together and so this is technically issue four but obviously for new people coming in it would you know we have one through yeah and (laughs) you kind of brought some of the stuff up that i actually have questions about (laughs) i I get that all the time (laughs) (laughs) and you know, um, I've listened to other previous uh, interviews. I've read a couple of uh, your interviews uh, as well. So as Re- Re- Ugh, sorry, as a Resident Evil fan, um, you know, what would be your favorite villain or, you know, boss to fight like Mr. X, uh, Nemesis? Uh, you know, we have Wesker, Resident Evil 5, where he fuses with the Ouroboros, you know. Um, so... Funny enough, uh, Wesker would be my favorite villain. I mean, he's in it a lot. He's from the original. I mean, he's, you know, he's awesome. Um, Monster-wise, uh, uh, the liquor. <laughs> <laughs> insane. Um, we actually have, like, kind of twists on those. Like, we have kind of like a liquor, but it's um, uh, a giant salamander um and it you know roams on the ceiling and everything it's very hard to kill there's no eyes um its tail is like razor sharp um and it's they're super fast um we do have um so anubis actually takes the place of mr x and nemesis because anubis is going to be like stalking them throughout the city um so he's kind of taking the place of of him and um yeah so resident evil is the reason why i actually started writing okay resident evil Evil 2 was my obsession um so the one that dropped in like 98 yeah the the yeah the original number two yeah yeah Um, i yeah it was 90 i thought it was 96 i think think 96 was number one and then 98 was uh 
Resident Evil 2. Okay, I'm a big so Resident Evil fan too, so. Yeah, well, I didn't know. <laughs> it's a funny story. Um, I didn't know about Resident Evil 1. Um, I actually bought Resident, I rented Resident Evil 2. And um, what happened was, is I saw the commercial when the crocodile comes out of the sewer to attack Leon. I and remember that. <laughs> I don't know why. That's the only thing I, I, that was all I remember. And I had to, I had to play it. I literally did not have PlayStation one and had to go out and buy it to play it. And I was like a teenager. So I probably begged my parents for whatever holiday was. <laughs> and I went out and I rented this game and there was no instructions and I'm trying to, uh, you know, I hadn't played, I, I played Atari and some Nintendo, but I, I had never played PlayStation. So Leon kept walking into the fire. I got so mad. I threw the <laughs> controller and I was like, I'm done. And my brother, older brother comes in, who's been playing video games a long time. And he starts playing. And I got so mad. I was like, get the hell out of <laughs> So I started playing and I was completely addicted. There was no instruction manual, nothing. So I wound up going out, buying that game. And as a side note, um, uh, Final Fantasy VII. So I bought those. Nice. Yeah, I bought those, came home and started playing. And then I was so mad because Resident Evil had um, auto-aim. And I didn't know that. So I was like, son of a bitch. So, <laughs> um, I, I I just love that game. And then when I discovered role-playing, um, somebody was telling me, well, who do you want to be? And I was like, <sighs> and I was thinking, and I was looking around my room, and I had a giant cutout of Leon from Resident Evil 4. And I was like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna be Claire. Because I always wanted Claire to be <laughs> one of those people. So I made a Claire. And I role-played Claire Redfield for 15 years um among other characters but i just i was so obsessed with her so uh yeah that's what started the whole thing and, and we started role-playing the zombies and it just it kind of snowballed into this huge story um you know technically written out we technically have about 80 something issues right now wow um so there is a lot um they're never boring they're um all action-packed adventure uh, monster filled craziness um chaotic mess um going on there um but there's actually a very complex story to it you know uh she's an angel descendant he's a demon descendant um they are soulmates they've lived through multiple lives together and she was originally created from an, an angelic weapon that has the power of souls from her father who's an angel and mm -hmm. after she was created uh, a demon um chaos demon caused something that made um the angel need that weapon back. So the demon found out that she was made from it, killed her, and she just reincarnated. It did he couldn't get a hold of the weapon. So he created Draven to go after her and get the weapon. And he instantly fell in love with her while they were kids. And um, so it was them against pretty much their fathers. Some people called it Romeo and Juliet in hell, and it's it's kind of <laughs> um so yeah, I see that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so throughout each life they fight against their fathers who have to kill her to activate the weapon. Um, then being together activates it and killing her in a certain way will activate it for them. And then it could tip the scales between um, heaven and hell. There's actually another reason the father wants it, but that comes in later. Um, but so in this life, now they have no memories for each life. So in the last life, they were portrayed by their guardian angel and um, it separated them. And when they got separated, they share a soul. So Draven went completely dark and he pretty much destroyed, you know, half cities and everything. And the angels took him down, sent him to hell. And then they both got reincarnated again in this life. So in this life, they meet up and they were supposed to run away together um, against their away from their um, human parents. So the issue one literally starts with her parents being murdered by her brother, who's a demon. And, um, it happened to prevent them from running away. So they weren't able to run away. And she called Draven, told him not to come to the house, that the brother killed the parents. He's after her. And of course, the first thing he does is go to the house. Um, so she jumps out the back window. He goes in the front window, uh, the front door. Um, he calls her. She turns around and gets hit by a car. And he slips on her blood and gets arrested for her murder while she gets shipped off to some hospital. So they each thought that they were dead for 10 years and this is like the first four pages so wow. all that happens, yeah <laughs> so the main point is is they're separated for 10 years she gets trained as a supernatural hunter and he gets trained as an assassin and 
when he moved closer back to her, their souls so close set out an alert where the angels and demons finally knew where they were. Mm-hmm. And they uh, tricked them into connecting to each other in a town that they decided to merge with hell to trap them in there trying to get this weapon. So book one, the whole point of book one is for them to try to get out of this hell town. That's kind of like Silent Hill. There's cracks everywhere. They can't get across the lines. There's um, hellhounds. There's the whole town is ghosts. Um, there's uh, zombies and Anubis is there. The you know god of the underworld and and pretty much the whole thing their fathers are there and they're trying to get this weapon from her so pretty much it's a survival horror for them right trying to survive um so that is where we're at and in that would be one through three and then four um they come across our version of vampires and um so four is our introduction to vampires and we call them clotters they're subspecies of vampires and their heart beats every six hours just enough to prevent rigor mortis so if they get cut in any way or whatever they bleed this clotted disgusting mass of blood because i always hated that vampires bleed i'm like you shouldn't be bleeding you don't have a heartbeat (laughs) so so i had to try to make ours a little bit more scientific in that fact um so they got this which is gross. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, Go I'm ahead. Just, Finish. <laughs> just saying that they, their blood's pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> so in a way, are your version of vampires a little bit more mortal than what we're used to? So they do have souls and consciousness. Um, the only problem is, is they have to feed directly from the human or they start to deteriorate and decompose like a zombie. So even if they have morals, it, to survive, they eventually have to get rid of them if they're going to attack and kill right. you know, humans. Um, their worst trait for hunters is if they taste your blood in any way, they can track you anywhere you go. And they're a hive mind. So if one tastes you, they all can track you. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, normally it's not the biggest deal. But if you kill one of their own, they will track you down out of revenge and destroy you. Mm-hmm. So, of course, in this, one bites her and she kills one of them. So now they have to go on this hunt to destroy all the entire family of vampires so that they can't track them down and kill them. So, gotcha. yeah, okay. so there's like a three issue hunt going on and there's a ton of vampires. And um, <laughs> one of our issue, issue six is... Um, Ian, I don't know if you know Ian Chase Nichols. He is the artist that was on The Tick and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And um, he's creating this awesome cover of, uh, it's a wraparound cover of the swarm of vampires going after the two characters. Um, and I cannot wait to see that. Ooh, I love um, that. That was awesome. Idea, it was his idea to do a wraparound. It's like, can I do a wraparound? I was like, oh, let me think. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to do that. Um, uh, but yeah, our vampires are, you know, a little bit unique. They're they are they do have extra strength, um, so they are more powerful. The clotters are, um, and we kept them as a subspecies, so people can't be like, "That's not a vampire." It's a subspecies <laughs> of vampires. So uh, we just like the factor. You know, they can be seen in mirrors. They're not the mythology one, which, you know, I've done a lot of research in my time, and the whole they can go in the sun, and they don't sparkle. But um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, they do go in the sun, but um, they usually don't because, you know, they're shadow creatures, but they can. Um, so if they need to, they can. So there's no safe spot for, for anybody um, from these things. And um, I just find it horrific that I don't know why we tortured ourselves by making them, you know, a hive mind and homing beacons. But there you have it. <laughs> they can track you down anywhere, which is terrifying think about absolutely i wouldn't want that in the no. you know real life situation yeah no i don't want that either <laughs> so, so the other question i have for you is redemption gives us the survival horror vibes which we talked about you know based off of silent hill resident evil um any other horror movies that specifically uh inspired you to actually follow and pursue this comic even more um my f- so as a side note, every issue has a Easter egg from a horror movie, horror game, or urban legend. Um, okay. So a lot of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> my very first horror movie ever when I was six was um, 
Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the scene with the marionette with the veins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I saw that when I was six. I was hiding on the stairs and I watched that. Um, and I thought it was amazing. Like, just, I wasn't terrified. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like, it looked so realistic and he was terrifying and he's funny. And I don't know how I got his humor as a six year old. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it all. So I obviously have always loved horror. Mm-hmm. And um, we like to put a little bit of that in, you know, like there's there's a um, an Easter egg from, you know, Poltergeist and from Nightmare on Elm Street and Silence of the Lambs, um, Saw. I mean, there there's all these little things in the background. So you really have to look. Um, and there is a prize for each book uh, that whoever when the we release uh, graphic novels at the end. Of, of this one will be on Halloween. We'll be releasing it, and uh, whoever finds them first and posts it actually gets um, one of the um, prizes we have. Um, okay. So they get like an Anubis pillow or whatever it is for that that one. Um, so we have that. Most of them are pretty easy. The only problem is you have to play games, which most of people either do one or the other. Um, some do both. But um, the hard part is, like, a couple of them are Resident Evil, um, which my brother's mad about because he's never played the game. Um, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> too bad. Uh, there's Silent Hill ones in there. Um, obviously, they're changed just a little bit so that no one right. can sue us or anything. Um, but you'll you'll know. If you know, you know. Um, but, yeah, Silent Hill is big. Silent Hill is one of the few games that actually scared the hell out of me um it's just the music is creepy and um and speaking of music um we actually had a song created for our comic book for our characters um and it's an actual add-on that you can download uh it's five dollars so anyone can get it pdf buyers or whatever they can get it um but it was a song that was written and performed and sung just about our characters and the lyrics are based on angels and demons which is our characters and heaven and hell war and all that and it's actually really really good and we're very proud of it being done um and it's our own little theme song so nice yeah it's a full length song though it's i think it's like three minutes something and um it comes with the instrumental and the vocal one so okay sweet and uh comics are a different form of media you can easily bring action sequences to life uh such as movies tend to do are there any uh, jump scares in your book that would really surprise the readers and leave us saying like, wow, they really pulled that off in a comic book? Um, well, if I tell you, then it would, <laughs> you wouldn't be scared. <laughs> um, there is, I would say for probably more in book two, because um, in book at the end of book one, uh, in issue seven, they... Um, get trapped in an insane asylum, a haunted insane asylum that you cannot leave. There's, there's, you can't leave through the door. Um, the ghosts keep it closed and locked and everything roams inside, including um, zombies, the giant salamanders and ghosts. Um, so there's a couple in there that probably have more jump scares um, than, and then in the, maybe, um, Maybe some of the vampires in the the warehouse jump out and might scare you a little. Um, but it, it is hard to do. Yeah, it is. It is harder to do jump scares. Um, but a lot like when I'm converting, it's kind of funny because when I'm converting from novel to um, comic form to script, I you know I have to find out where to stop each issue. But mm-hmm. there's so many cliffhangers and so much action that I can almost end it anywhere. Um, and when I separated book three today, I'm like, people are going to kill me. There's, <laughs> there's so many, there's so many ways. I mean, you know, so many things that happen and I'm just like, it's always a cliffhanger and I'm just like, people are going to hate it. And then like, can't wait for the next one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, we're big cliffhanger people. We're big action people, we're big fight scenes. Um, I mean, they do, Draven is a very powerful, uh, you know, demon, but he doesn't know it. So a lot of the times, their powers will come out more so later on, but like in little tiny bursts that they don't understand. Like they'll they'll chalk it up to adrenaline or something mystical. Um, but it's kind of fun to see that, you know, on paper. And it's fun to see their fathers. See, they never see their fathers. They're kind of in the background manipulating things that that happen here and there. 
um, but they don't know. So we know as the reader, um, but they don't know. So they're, they're like these poor little pawns that get like manipulated and, um, you know, pushed and guided into the wrong personal ways. And half the time you, you don't know if the, the angel and the demon father are working together. They're obviously working apart, but half the time they're, they have the same goal. So they would be better if they teamed up and they just fight. And half the time when they fight, they screw everything up, you know, for their kids, um, which cracks me up. I, it has very, um, dry humor. It's very sarcastic mm -hmm. humor. Um, <laughs> because both me and my co-writer have very sarcastic humors. Um, now she writes for Draven and I write for Serafina. So they have completely different personalities. And when you read them in the comic, you can kind of tell they're written by two different people. Um, and the thing that makes us a little bit different, um, there's a lot of thought bubbles. They think a lot more than they talk. Uh, and that's because we're coming from a novel. And, right. Um, but it's that's my favorite part about a novel is to get inside their head, you know, and especially Draven. He barely talks. He like grunts out a couple of words here and there and sarcastic. And but he's always thinking about her or thinking about what to do next or how to fix something or his past or whatever. So you get to get inside the characters heads, which helps you kind of relate more and understand them a lot more than you could in a regular comic book. So I like that aspect of it. All right. And uh, we all, uh, as creative minds, we all struggle with uh, some sort of creative block at any point, you know, in uh, the creation process. Um, <laughs> any particular bands, artists or soundtracks uh, or movies that you listen to, watch to, had something in the background so you could stay motivated and, you know, just give you inspiration to keep on moving forward? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have never, ever had a block with these characters. I just sit down and write. And I don't think ahead. I, I have a chapter. I have a somewhat direction I'm going to go in. But I sit down. I bang out three to 7,000 words. And Whoa. that's it. Like, I, it does, I, I, have, I, think the, I think one time, which was like last week, that I had a somewhat thought, like, all right, what are they going to do next? Because everything we do has to be physically, except for obviously the mat, you know, the magic aspect of it. But we make sure that everything physically, reality-wise, has to work. So I remember I had to look up if like uh, a rebar had iron in it because she was going to use it against a demon, and it actually has ninety-nine percent iron. So I learned something new. Um, <laughs> so we always make sure. Research. So yeah, research. So I've never actually had a block. Um, which I feel very blessed about. I, I pretty much uh, eat, breathe, and think, and read, or write these characters. Um, I will tell you a funny story that no one's going to believe me because they they just can never process it. But there was one time that I was writing, I think it was book five, and I was writing this scene, and I swear to you, I did not know where it was going. And I was fighting with the con with my character in my head. I was like, this is stupid. I have to start over. And the character's like, just wait. And I'm like, this is this is not going anywhere. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. And, and it was just this whole process. And when it was over, I was like, that's a pretty cool scene. So I don't <laughs> have anything to do with this. And the character might just be another personality in my head that's writing it. Um, because I'll never forget that scene. And afterwards, my co-writer's like, that is the weirdest, coolest scene. I was like, I have no idea where it came from. <laughs> so... Yeah, I think the characters pretty much write, you know, it for me. I'm just a, a vessel. I'm a prophet. <laughs> but um, for music, I do have a lot of music that I play in the background just for um, a lot of, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, and there's just so many different um, songwriters. It's just uh, everything angel and demon related or anything like there's a song called Heaven or Hell. And uh, that's one of the ones I listen to. They're, they're all this playlist of demons and angels and, and all this cool stuff. So there is a playlist. I, I, of course, now that I can't think of one thing I listen to, but um, <laughs> there's, there's a playlist. And the funny thing is, one of the things that I do, if I'm not playing music and don't ask me why this is my process, my TV has to be on, but paused. Like I really, I yeah, it's so <laughs> stupid. I don't know why I can't just sit in a room. And, and right, I have to have the TV either paused um, or music playing. 
So I, I don't know where that came from, but <laughs> yeah, those are the two weirdest things that I do. So yeah. We uh, we lightly touched on this earlier, uh, diving into a little bit of the story here. So Anubis is being controlled and is stalking the main characters, uh, which is an interesting take because Anubis is naturally not a bad guy. He just, you know, in Egyptian history, just judges, you know, where you go. So what made you want to take this creative decision and make him be, you know, brain controlled and be like, hey, I'm going to stalk the main characters and just figure this this shit out? So um, I have no idea. I I literally <laughs> uh, I needed somebody that had a staff or uh, Harvard or or something big, and I don't know why um, Anubis popped in my head. And it's not like I've read about him recently or talked about him or seen him. just I don't know whatever it was. It was Anubis, and he is a good guy, and I do love Anubis. So I couldn't have him be bad. Um, and it, and it's so funny because he's being controlled, you know, by the her father. And the hellhounds are being controlled by his father. Um, but Anubis, he's not bad. So there's actually, you can kind of see it come out in this issue, actually. He's, you're going to think this is stupid. He's playing um, fetch with a hellhound, one of the special hellhounds. There's a, there's a leader that um, Asmin the demon beat up to control the other hellhound. So he has a broken horn. He can't breathe fire like the other one. So he's pretty beat up. And for whatever reason, um, he brings Anubis uh, his a stick that he found at the end of this issue while Anubis <laughs> is just standing there. Anubis is staring at him like, what is this? So he throws it and the hellhound goes after it and comes back. Um, so he throws it again and the hell comes back. So now in the next issues, um, you just see this hellhound following him with the stick in his mouth. And he just kind of there, sits in the background and watches him. So it actually becomes an intricate part because there's one scene in book two where Anubis decides to kidnap uh, Serafina away from both Draven and the angel and demon. Like he's he, obviously he doesn't talk, so he can't really portray what he's doing, but he grabs her to leave with her um, because he, you know, Draven's a demon and Anubis doesn't really know the difference between that demon and another demon. So he kidnaps her <laughs> and of course he gets stopped and he gets threatened that if he doesn't start obeying, he's going to stuff the hellhound. Um, so Anubis is actually stalking them in book three because the angel took the hellhound away from him and he's trying to get him back. Um, so where poor Serafina and Draven think that he's this enemy, he's really just trying to, you know, get his pet, I guess, or friend back. <laughs> he does eventually go on their side. Um, and uh, one of the, I think it's book five, he's actually going to uh, join them after they are able to get him out of their control. So, um, and in series two, he actually joins um, the war. So um, there is a war between all the, it's going to be heaven and hell against Anubis and his uh, mummies and against um, Hades and Hecate and their zombies with Serafina Draven, the Hellhound, and um, one of the angels that sides with them. So there is a, a war that, that that will happen. And I'm actually looking forward to that because we actually haven't written that. We started it, but we, we still write every week. So we, st we still are working on that. But um, I'm looking forward to having Anubis be this, you know, and, uh, you know, Seraphine is obviously going to pet him because she loves pets. And, <laughs> and she's, I'm just waiting for Draven to be looking at her like she's insane as she pets this giant you know, Egyptian god and a hellhound and, and all that. Hey, stuff. you find a way to humanize your, your main characters, which is important here. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know where the, the playing fetch came from. It was literally a last minute. And when I mean last minute, I mean like writing the comic. I was adding it. And um, we had just finished the spinoff book five and we, we decided to have her out of nowhere just have this hellhound help her. And I was like, what if the hellhound is, is in Redemption too? Because they're mirrored universes. So I was like, what if he's playing fetch? And I don't know where it came from, but now it's like my favorite scene of Anubis staring at the stick, like, what the hell is this? And, you know, just having this stupid broken horned hellhound look at him. <laughs> and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So now it's my favorite scene. No, I like that. <laughs> and just want to jump back a little bit uh, from your Kickstarter here, but I know that you have plans for doing a prequel series. So how's that exactly going, going to tie in? What do you plan on introducing there? If you can talk about it. So we have, it'll be two different kinds of prequels. We have a uh, sub 
sub prequel, which is already written. It is five issues. And it's this world, this life where they first met as teenagers. And what happens in it is they meet in, you know, they meet at a party that kind of doesn't go well. They meet in a party and they kind of <laughs> get stuck. Yeah, they have a little fight. Draven's not the smoothest talker. That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, so they get in a little fight and uh, they go through this whole um, thing in a mine. When she falls through a mine, he has to go get her. And there's these giant insects down there. So that leads up to where it splits. So there's going to be a what if, um, a, a kind of a what if. But there's one tiny thing that changes that causes them to either be separated for 10 years that leads to redemption or they run away together and it goes to salvation, which is the spinoff. Um, but we're working on that one's written, but we're working on a further back prequel that's going to actually start from when Remnall, the angel and Asmin, the demon actually like first collided. Um, now Remnall is an actual angel. They're both actual in, in scripture. Uh, Remnall is the judgment of souls. He mm -hmm. is the one that takes souls from heaven, judges them, and then brings them, I mean, uh, in, on earth and brings them to heaven. Um, and the weapon was something I created, which is what started the whole thing. The weapon was the first thing I ever which created. Which we, we talked about earlier too. So yeah. Yeah. yeah the angelic weapon. Um, I thought it would be cool for some reason if he had something to carry these souls. Because I, I just couldn't picture how he's carrying these souls. So he carries them in this globe, which the chaos demon tries to always get back now asmin it just worked out perfectly it was just meant to be this demon feeds on souls and he creates chaos but he's also immune to lightning of any kind and remnall's only weapon besides the sword is lightning so it was kind of cool that these two would you know they don't actually meet in scripture or anything we made that up but uh it was kind of cool to have these two just kind of fit so perfectly together and so you're gonna see how they first were you know, went to war together. And then you're going to see how Serafina was created, how Draven was created. And then you get to see through each of their lives, not, not like a long time because they don't live very long in each life, but you get to see them in each time period. So they're going to be in the Vikings. They're going to be in medieval times. They're going to be in all these kind of ways. And we get to come up with these unique ways for them to die in every single one. <laughs> so there's going to be that kind of, of journey. And it's probably going to be five books too. Five books seems to be our, our number. You know, spinoff is five books. The series two are probably going to be five books. Uh, five books. Um, so I'm pretty sure. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Sorry. No. I was going to say, typically any comic run I read, whether it be, you know, the big two or other Dark Horse comics, uh, usually it runs between five or six issues and then they start, you know, a different arc. So you, you yeah. got it right. You got it right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, the funny thing is when I first, I, I, twice i only tried twice before i was like screw it i actually tried to pitch this to two different small publishers and they wouldn't even read the proposal because it was more than three issues and they said they don't want anything longer than three issues and i said why and they go it's not cost effective and i was like that's the stupidest thing i ever heard because you fall in love with the character of the story you want to keep it going like why right. would you want to give up in three issues um and then i was like you know what fine i'll do it myself um, and now I'm, I'm here. I am doing myself. So, <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Another follow-up, um, because we did bring this up, uh, with angels and demons being a big part of your story, did you do any, uh, research, you know, oh, yeah. to extend the story and <laughs> what kind of research did you do? Um, so I did a research in every single demon and angel that's listed in it. Um, so their guardian angel is Camille. Um, they all have similar names in the Bible. I don't know why. Um, but Camille is um, the angel of true love and conflict, conflict resolution, which <laughs> probably goes great together. Um, and he was prophesied to or assigned to protect them and each life. Um, and the only way that, uh, they could get close to Serafina to get the weapon or to destroy and separate them was to trick their guardian angel to do it. Um, so, uh, not saying how he did it, but, uh, Remnall faked the prophecy and he switched it. So where it no longer says, and he does say that in this issue, um, Cam Camiel is not the smartest. I mean, he really is. And he's you know uh a worker you know he just follows orders and and that's it but yeah. he did, 
he did love these two people that he protected through every life then you know um and then he had to go and betray them because originally the prophecy said if an angel was to ever fall in love with a demon they had to be kept together or war would start and then the prophecy got you know faked and it said they had to be separated or war would start so Camiel separated them and it it caused the war and he says in this one at the end he says don't you think it's odd that I separate them and they there's a war and you know Remnell's like no just follow orders and he's like yes sir and but he's starting to get you know in his head um you know that something's not quite right and then he has to decide if you know he's going to stay in the war of angels or if he's going to help the two people that he's was assigned to keep safe um and like i said he's not the brightest star so uh it goes back and forth <laughs> but um draven always hates him um you know seraphina's she's more compassionate i mean she does befriend a hellhound and an anubis and you know whatever else there is um but draven just hates everything and everyone but seraphina so he just <laughs> lets her do whatever she wants and and pouts and and stares mean in the background so um but yeah so the the, the every angel in this all their personalities and all of their jobs are based on their duties that they had in the scripture uh so jovial which is in the spinoff in a series two you know he's supposed to manipulate people into believing a certain thing and he does do that um lucifer in our story is you know blonde haired and you know articulate and and somewhat charming because he was an angel um he's he's still an asshole but he's you know <laughs> he's you know he's the typical of what he was when he was an angel um but he's still ruthless he's just pretty and blonde uh but yeah all of our angels uh and there's more in series two um because uh when the war starts they start to come out you know um but now i think you pretty much just see remnal asmin uh and camiel are the the three major ones that you see and then there's like lesser demons uh that are out there like bareth is out there and and, and he's a, a helper of lucifer um uh uh, Asvin is uh he's in book two he's actually the right hand of Lucifer uh, he's a demon that no one really ever talks about but he's ruthless and um he can possess you if you want our I don't know if you've ever watched Supernatural but our higher demons and our higher angels have their own bodies they're not possessing other bodies but the lesser demons do um so they they can jump in and out of of bodies if they want to um but they do have the choice humans have the choice to be a demon um so sometimes the demons that you see were actually human and just decided to have their power enhanced or their souls removed or whatever so there's there's different levels of demons and angels and stuff like that okay and a then lot of the answer <laughs> the, short, the short answer was a lot of research yeah no which i love because you, you did you did your due diligence so that's awesome yeah i did <laughs> yeah I have, I have websites i have I have it all. So, yeah. So this started off as a novel, uh, now turned into a comic book story. Uh, did you have any plans in turning this into a screenplay? Uh, no, it wasn't anything that ever popped in my head. Um, I have been asked, you know, one of the questions was, would you turn this into a movie or a show? And if I had my way, like I had 100% my way, it, I'm going to be on it would be a rated R animated series. <laughs> Oh, that's I, awesome. I no. Would love, I would love it. I, you know, I, everything would look exactly how I want. I mean, they, they won't age because there's, you know, so long and they can't quit or die. And um, yeah, I, if I had my way, I would absolutely love to see this as an animated series. So that would be my, my goal. You know, like they say, what's your major goal? That would be my major goal. So, yeah. All right. So follow up then. Who would voice Draven, you know, dream voice actor to do Draven and then Serafina? Like, so, who would be your top picks? Um, this is going to sound weird. I don't even know if you know who this is. Um, did you ever watch Angel the, from Buffy, the show Angel? I don't know. I know, you know of it. I didn't watch it, but I know of it. So um, his name was Christian Kane, and I fell in love with him on Angel. Uh, he was also in Leverage. He did an episode of Supernatural. Uh, he was in Librarians. He's this tough, real-life cowboy um who's an absolute gentleman but also really tough um so he would definitely he's got that rugged voice i would absolutely love to do the voice of draven 
Um, because he just sounds mean with like <laughs> so it has to be that. Um, for the girl, I always pictured um, I don't know if you know Alana Tao. Um, she played Joe in Supernatural. She's also in um SEALs. There's a uh an army um movie out, and she's done little uh movies here and there. But she's best known for Joe on Supernatural, and I just loved her. And there is an episode of Leverage where they both are together and they actually kiss Christian Kane and Alana. So it was like, <laughs> oh my God. so yeah, if I could have either one, that would be. And um, for the lesser demons, uh, the only one I've ever thought about is um, Seth is one of the demons that kind of has somewhat of a conscience here and there, like if it suits him. Uh, and I would want Jensen Ackles to be his voice. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be my first absolute choice because he's so badass and he does have a conscience, but he's such an ass at the same time. And he just absolutely Jensen is who I picture when I hear him. Um, and then her brother Lucas would, of course, have to be Jared uh, Pedalecki because, um, <laughs> yeah, because they, they wound up being real brothers in demon form. So um, I would I would have them. So those are the people that I would absolutely have in my head. Nice. Um, absolutely I'll love it. Free by then and I can afford them. And, I, and I'm not going <laughs> to lie, I did originally write to um, Christian Kane's uh, agent to ask him how much it costs to use his likeness. Mm -hmm. um, and he told me to email and then I emailed and it's been a year and I never heard back. So I'm assuming I'll never hear back, but, um, <laughs> didn't go that route, but that's who I, I would have, I would have loved. So who knows, maybe by then, uh, you know, he does a lot of shows now, but you know, maybe by then it'll be free. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? And almost done here. Just, uh, can wrap up soon, but what message, uh, what message do you want your readers to get out of the story? Um, I like to, to I like to show off their bond. Um, it's kind of it is a love story without the mushiness, but um, <laughs> it's, it's it's really a level of what would you do for the person that you love more than anything? You know, I mean, what would you give up, or what would you willing to go through, or you know, die for this person? So um, their bond is something that I would absolutely love people to just you know, follow with and, and, and like to see it, you know, the bond grow. Um, and, uh, to, to just see this couple go through all this struggle, it's just fascinating to me to watch them, you know, and, and they never kind of understand how much the other one loves them. Um, mm -hmm. and they kind of, they have so many doubts in their head, which is why the thought bubbles are so interesting because, you know, he's, they're obviously in love with each other, but, they were only together for like a month as teenagers before this all happened. So really you have these two people just soulmates, but they don't know that. Um, and he doesn't think he deserves her because he's an assassin and she doesn't think she deserves him because she's, her whole life is chaotic hence worthy chaos. Um, and he always says that she's worth it, which is why it's called worthy chaos. Um, but I would want people to really get the bond that's that grows between them and um, to, to, to see what they would go through for each other and to see that a love like that could really exist. Um, so I think I like that, the, 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 the depth someone would go for someone that they truly care about. That, that's the most important part of the story. And then, you know, killing everything in sight. That's cool too. <laughs> <laughs> that's always an added bonus. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know they, they, they do a lot of fights. Like this issue coming up, it literally starts with a bar fight, two bar fights, and then it goes at the, it ends with them fighting, you know, a vampire in a department store, you know? So um, there's, there's, there's obviously a lot of fighting in there. So there's <laughs> enough action to go around. And uh, we touched on this previously uh, earlier on our conversation, but if uh, if any, what other perks uh, or goodies do your backers get by funding this Kickstarter? We have a lot. Uh, we are <laughs> we are merch obsessed because we buy it for ourselves, and by buying it for you guys, it's tax deductible, and that's honestly why we bought everything. Um, so our lowest tier is five dollars for a PDF, and the PDF will get you both the color and the black and white version. Um, and for fifteen, you get all four of the issues plus all four of it in black and white so you technically get eight um for higher tiers we do have three um title uh three covers you can choose from the original 
uh, one by Fabio, which is amazing bar fight. And then we have one from Ken Hunt, which is um, a, a inker and penciler from Batman and Harley Quinn that he worked on DC for many years. Um, and the colorist for that cover is um, CC Dela Cruz, which is the current internal art artist for Lady Death Universe, which she's absolutely amazing. Um, and for other kinds of merch, we have plushies. Um, uh, we have an Anubis. Yeah, plushie. your Anubis right there. Yeah, my Anubis <laughs> plushie. We have um, this is our Zombie Merman plushie, uh, which she fights in issue uh, two. Um, and then this is our um, skeleton bird that she gets attacked by in three. And then we have uh, pillows, and I just love the pillows. This is a three foot Anubis pillow whoa yeah and we have that <laughs> and uh we have some smaller ones um we do have which i don't have down here but we have statues handmade only one of each we have a statue of um draven and seraphina together a bust um that will never be made again it was handmade my artist wanted to kill me so it's never gonna happen again um <laughs> We have a zombie merman statue, a cute Anubis statue, which is my absolute favorite. So feel free to nobody buy. Um, and then we have the taller um, Anubis statues that comes with this, this uh, metal uh, staff. Um, and then we have lots of freaking stickers, uh, prints, trading cards. Um, there's a uh, only six left of the uh, 3D printed Anubis plush um, uh, busts um, that will not be made again. Um, and uh, I think that rounds out. Oh, hats. We have hats. Oh, and we also have for add-ons um, issue one of the first part of the prequel. It's a different artist. Uh, it was made before we found our artist and we weren't going to release it. And we decided it's just too cool to see them meet up as teenagers and go through this horrid situation in the mind. So it is going to be as an add-on. Um, so people can get that one. It's being lettered. I think it just got finished being lettered. So it'll be done. Um, and then I think that's probably not it, but that's the most I could think of. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of merch. <laughs> hey, those are still pretty good, uh, you know, additions yeah. to, uh, you know, go fund yeah. us. Please do it. And <laughs> lastly, yeah. if you could give your younger self any piece of advice, what would that advice be? Um, it would be to find my co-writer sooner because we literally RP'd at least 10 years at the same time in the same genre and we never met up. Uh, and I can't imagine how much we would have written in the last 15 years. You know, if we wrote 11 novels in two and a half years, I can't imagine um, what we could have written. So I, I would say meet her sooner. <laughs> that would be number one. Yeah. It's pretty nice and wholesome there. Yeah. And <laughs> my sister now, man. I mean, we just, I mean, I spent like nine hours there on Friday. Like we just, Oh, wow. Yeah. We could sit there and do nothing. And just, we ordered pizza and just chilled out and watched horror movies. We watched the terrifier that I never seen. And it was, uh, what do you think of it? <laughs> it was different. Uh, I already found clowns terrifying so it, it kind of <laughs> um i uh i thought the uh you, you saw it i assume did you see it i saw the second one not the first one uh yes we only saw the first one um but there's this one scene that it let's just say a boat of uh, the saw could have never cut through that but uh <laughs> uh yeah and then it was funny because after i watched it there's um a horror fest coming in october that i want to see that i want yeah. to go and the, the main guy is there so nice like, oh. now i kind of want to get a picture with him um but yeah. he should yeah. he he typically does uh uh either he'll go as himself or he'll do some of the characters that he's performed so he'll get in the makeup I'm so you, you... Hoping he'll do the character <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is my first horror con so i'm excited i hope that's good <laughs> you know fun for you <laughs> yeah well i'm actually i'm a, i'm gonna be at three not that one because i couldn't get in in time but i am at three mini horror cons and my idol is in one of them in june um nice yeah james obar he did the uh the crow graphic novel and i absolutely it's the i i had it when i was in i think 11 uh eighth grade so it was like 11 and that was like my favorite graphic novel and when i started to convert the script um that's the first thing i pulled out you know, was I had that for kind of like, so I'm going to get his autograph and I'm, I'm super excited to have that. So nice. 
And just to wrap things up, I do want to say uh, you can visit our website uh, to get more podcasts like this one and other podcasts and our articles at www.geek-network.com. Our socials across the board are Geeks AZ. And then I uh, just want to go ahead and say you can find the interview and other interviews on the website uh, or on your favorite podcast platform under Fandom Sessions. My social media handles are all across the board. Super call me Daniel. And then uh, Carissa, um, this is where you get to plug yourself. I already You already mentioned that you're going to be a horror con. So uh, go ahead and throw all your social media handles and any... Any conventions you'll be at, please go ahead. So first and foremost, uh, the Kickstarter is, um, you just have to, if you don't have a link, I'm sure there's a link somewhere, but um, all you have to do is search for Worthy Chaos and we're the only thing that pops up. So Worthy Chaos at Kickstarter, um, Worthy Chaos on, you know, Twitter, we're on there. Um, my name is Krista Grant. I'm on Facebook, but also we have a uh, Facebook uh, for Worthy Chaos. I know it's shocking. Um, <laughs> and um, at the, for the cons, I'm pretty much sticking to Tennessee. Um, but if anyone's in East Tennessee or Nashville, uh, I will be at cons in oh, um, May, June, July, August, September, and possibly October. So, well, um, so you got a yeah, long road I, ahead of you. Yeah, I signed up for 11 and I've done three of those and I didn't want to do with the fourth one. It was too far and I changed my mind. I wussed out. So I got rid of that one, but I got my money back because I sold it to somebody. So, um, yeah. I, I, well, I think horror cons are going to be a little bit better for me than comic cons because right. they're my people, you know. So I'm looking forward. My first comic con is going to be this uh, June 9th. So, okay. Yeah. Sweet. So yeah. Well, you know where to go on the book. You know where to find the book on social media handles. I uh, just want to say thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight, Carissa, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you so much. Thank you.